Welcome to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we discover our path to wealth through conversations with talented and successful women who are designing their version of a wealthy life. Teresa Leftenant is a certified financial planning professional, financial advisor, and senior vice president with Cornerstone Financial Strategies, a financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. Teresa is author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Available on Amazon. The Certified Financial Board of Standards Incorporated owns CFP and Certified Financial Planner Certification Marks in the U.S., which it awards to individuals who successfully complete CFP Board's initial and ongoing certification requirements. The views expressed here reflect the views of Teresa Leftenant and her guests and may change as market or other conditions change. Actual investments or investment decisions made by Ameriprise Financial and its affiliates will not necessarily reflect the views expressed on this program. This program will provide only general information, is not intended to provide investment advice, and does not account for individual investor circumstances. Investment decisions should always be made based on an investor's specific financial needs, objectives, goals, time horizon, and risk tolerance. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and no forecast should be considered a guarantee. Investment products, including mutual fund shares, are not insured, are not guaranteed by any financial institution, and involve investment risks, including fluctuation in value and loss of principal. Ameriprise Financial does not offer tax or legal advice. Consult your tax advisor or attorney. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor member, FINRA, and SIPC. Hello, everyone. Do you have a loved one who's might be, quote, getting up in years? Have you and your family had the talk about how your loved one might want to be cared for in their declining health years? Well, my conversation with Raina Nysis, author of No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season, will inspire us all to take those necessary planning steps. So welcome to episode 50 of A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we support women to create their own version of a wealthy life. I've been a certified financial planner and a wealth advisor for over 30 years, and women hire me to gain the right knowledge and confidence so they can build the financial resources they need to pursue their passions, explore who they are, express their inner talents, and live their personal dreams. So join us every week to hear my expert guests and I explore how a woman can transform seven aspects of living a wealthy life, including her finances, her physical health and wellness, professional and career, mental and emotional wellness, recreation and fun, relationships and contribution and legacy. And I share about the inner power qualities that women can develop and the latest thoughts on building wealth and financial fitness. So our conversation today is part of our contribution and legacy series. Well, everyone, we hit the one-year anniversary of the start of the coronavirus pandemic I started this radio show not exactly one year ago today, but I realized that I've done every show in my slippers. We've had so many different experiences and lessons that we've learned during the past year. And of course, we can't mention it without saying that the numbers of how many people have been suffering and have passed away from the disease, they're just so hard to accept. But As a financial advisor and a money thought set coach, I encourage my clients to think about what they really want for that part of their lives, the the last, the final phase of their lives. One of my earlier podcasts, episode nine, was a conversation with an expert, Maureen Curris is her name, and she guides family conversations around the whole idea of creating the best decisions possible for an end-of-life plan. And I consider that episode and this one today to be companion pieces, because both of these experts are so passionate about helping people prepare for the varied experiences that we and our parents might have in that final stage of life. So my guest today is going to share her experience of caring for aging parents, and I'm going to introduce her in just a moment. But before I do, I want to turn our attention to some of the financial aspects of caring for the aging. Because depending on the circumstances, caregiving can be quite expensive, and it could deplete the financial resources of the person more rapidly than expected. 
And most Americans who plan for retirement, they see their lives as active, you know, a time when they can do things that they dreamed of doing while they were too busy working, you know, like travel and volunteering, taking up that new hobby and spending more time with family and friends. So retirement planning has to include making sure there's enough money to support that active part of retirement, but it also has to put money aside for the time when our health begins to decline. So each phase of retirement has different financial expenses and money can be set aside for all of them. Okay, so how much does this kind of declining age or what, you know, when someone gets into their aging, when they start to decline in health and they need more care, how much might that cost? Well, the questions that you have when you realize that your parent is entering that time in life, it can be so overwhelming to say the least. So the best advice that I can start with giving you is to give yourself grace and time to learn what you need to know. And make sure you find a professional to help you, someone who's been there before, like my guest today. When my parents entered their declining years, my sisters and I, we had very different opinions. I thought we should hire a home health care aide, someone who could make sure that she had everything she needed and would keep her safe in her home. Now, my sisters thought that the cost of a home health care aid aid was just too, it was too much. And that because, you know, they can charge according to um, resources between $8 an hour to $25 an hour, depending on their skill level or what part of the country you're in. And of course, if you happen to need a nurse to visit your loved one, they can charge between $25 to $60 an hour or more. So it can seem kind of prohibitive. Now, some families have a hard time talking about money issues and emotionally charged questions such as these, especially if there's disagreement among family members. But I encourage you to work your way through it. You know, when we consulted my mother, she told us that she'd actually rather move into an assisted living community with activities and a nursing care option if it was needed. Now, the range of costs for these types of facilities can also be quite broad, and they vary depending on location and options of services. But, for example, in Washington State, now this is based on Genworth's 2020 cost of care survey, the average monthly cost of assisted living is $5,700 statewide. However, the range is between $3,800 on the low side and $7,000 on the high side again, based on your geographical location. Now, you can also purchase a spot, and costs can range anywhere from $100,000 for a unit up to a million dollars. And that is with an additional three dollars to $5,000 per month for maintenance. Many people end up selling their home so that they can reinvest the proceeds in an assisted living community apartment. Now, these are just some of the options that you and your family family members can talk about. But I know that when you hear these costs, they can really make your blood pressure go up. So how do we uh, make a plan so that we can manage these expenses? Well, here's just a few steps. First, get organized and start getting informed and make sure you do sit down with your parents as early as possible so you can plan a future roadmap to care for their care during their declining health years. And the sooner you plan, the more choice you'll have. The earlier you and your family understand the range of costs based on certain choices, the better chance you have to create a workable plan. Once you know how much care your parent might need and you know how much it might cost, then you can figure out what's covered under their current health care benefits and if there's a gap between their current coverage and potential costs of care. You can also listen to episode 32 of my show where I interviewed Amy Johnson from Allianz Life, and that's all about planning for the rising health care costs of aging Americans. Now, when we talk to our clients, we quantify their financial situation so that we can recommend a course of action that may include purchasing a long-term care insurance policy, which is private insurance that can cover the costs of nursing care and in-home care services, which Medicare and Medicaid typically don't cover. 
Now, long-term care insurance is really misunderstood, and it's typically called nursing home insurance. Well, for most of us, the idea of living in a nursing home really scares us. But long-term care insurance isn't for everyone, but you deserve to understand how it works and how much it costs. So you can decide whether it could be helpful for your parent's situation or even for your own. So if you have a parent who recently received a diagnosis that will require an increased level of health care and living assistance, I invite you to request a consultation with me on my website. It's ameriprizeadvisors.com forward slash Teresa.Leftenant. And while you're there, you can take our three-minute confident retirement check to gauge your retirement readiness. All right, enough of me. Let's introduce our special guest. So Raina Nysis is the author of the book, No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season. She's an ICF certified coach, the host of a Season of Caring podcast, and a busy speaker who's really passionate about supporting daughters and sons during a season of caring for their aging parents. Raina lost both of her parents to Alzheimer's disease 20 years apart. And after her own season of caring for her father through his end-of-life journey, she founded her coaching company called A Season of Caring, where she offers encouragement, support, and resources aimed at preventing family caregivers from aimlessly wandering through this important and special period of life. Raina lives on a farm in Southeast Kansas with her husband, Ron, and a small pack of dogs. She's a former teacher and enjoys crafts of all kinds, and most importantly, spending time with her grandkids. Welcome to the show, Raina. I've been so excited to have you here to share your experiences. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be able to share with your audience more about how to care for their aging parents. Well, right, because you've been through it. You've been there, done that, as we like to say. And, you know, your parents, your father uh, was the one that you primarily cared for. And because of that experience, it motivated you to find, you, you, you created a life coaching practice, you wrote a book. And I imagine that there are many, many steps along that journey. So I was wondering if you could just share an overall synopsis of your journey from teacher to life coach. Sure. So I was a teacher. My dad and I actually owned a Sylvan Learning Center together. And um, as his diagnosis came seven years after losing my mom to Alzheimer's, then, um, you know, we just started making plans on how we were going to care for him and what his care was going to look like. He journeyed for 14 years with the disease. So it was a long time before he got to the point that he really needed that 24 seven care. And initially his sister was living with him. So they were working together and, and doing well. He had a cancer diagnosis with melanoma and had surgery and that kind of changed everything. It both maxed my aunt out in her reserves to care for him and increased his needs. He started struggling with those daily tasks that he really wasn't having trouble with before. So my sister and I got together and did what most people do right away. We went out and started looking at memory care facilities. Yeah. And the thing you have to know about my dad at that point is he was actually playing volleyball three times a week and going to the gym three times a week. So though he wasn't safe to drive and was having trouble with some of the other daily tasks, he was very physically active. And that was something that brought him a lot of joy. Yeah. And so I could not imagine him being in a memory care unit, you know, right. locked in and not being able to be active like that. And so honestly, after leaving the facilities and weeping, imagining leaving him there, I said to my husband, I just, I don't know what, I just can't imagine seeing my dad there. And he said to me, then don't do it. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? And he said, Raina, if you need to move here and take care of your dad, then you need to do that. We live on a farm 220 miles from where my dad lived. Oh, wow. And so that was going to be, you know, not an option of just popping over and taking care of him. That was going to be a real commitment, both from my husband, our son that was a senior at that time, or sophomore in high school at that time, and myself. So 
but it still gave me some ideas. What could we do? How could we take care of dad at home like he had requested? And that kind of started the journey of exploring some options. And that's what we did for four and a half years. We brought in-home caregivers to him. My sister, my aunt, and I um, covered 24-7 care for my dad in his home. And that's that's how we took care of him at the end of his life. I can't even tell you how inspiring that is because in just a a few moments, you explained the dynamics of um, uh, understanding what a person needs, looking for options, finding your own solution, and in fact, not giving up, just knowing that you were you know motivated to find something that worked for him. And then you came together as a family, as a group of people who all did their did their best, did what needed to be done. Is that basically it? It was. And it took some time to kind of see how we could do that and to, you know, find the support that we needed because it wasn't just my aunt and myself and my sister doing the hands-on care. It was bringing in the support that we needed to do that. And then keeping the household running without anybody living in it, but my dad, you know, so we had the lawn care guy and, you know, there were just a, a housekeeper. We had a lot of people that were part of our team and that's really what made it work for us. It takes a village to care for, for that. The people that we love, I mean, the people that gave us life, that taught us, you know, how to have a successful life. So before we take a quick break, I just thought I, for context, tell us about your life coaching business, how that started uh, and so on. Sure. So actually, while I was caring for my dad, I got my initial certification of being a life coach. And I was working with women in transition and loving that it was a perfect job for me to have in being able to take it where I went, right? So I was able to coach on the farm, I was able to coach, my dad went to bed early. So I had clients after eight o'clock in the evening and was able to coach them while he was in bed. And so it really was a great fit for me. After losing my dad, the grief was really overwhelming. And I just really began to search for, is there a way I can serve others who are going to find themselves in this season? And so I actually made a pivot in my um, business and regrouped and started to serve those that are in a caring season. So oh, uh, just so, so wonderful. It's, it's what you're doing for people. I mean, your own journey to then turn around and give your gift to other people. That's what we're going to keep talking about everyone. So we'll take a quick break, but come right back to a wealthy life for her. Are you in a season of caring for an aging parent and feeling completely maxed out? Raina Nysis, founder of A Season of Caring, helps daughters like you who are caring for an aging parent find the balance between caring for your loved one and yourself without guilt. Visit noregrets-book.com to purchase your copy of Raina's new book, No Regrets, Hope for Your Caring Season, from your favorite retailer. That's noregrets-book.com. Teresa Lieutenant believes that women deserve to reinvent their financial lives from avoidance and confusion to clarity and commitment by creating a wealthy money mindset and informed financial planning skill set. Without an understanding of their early money programming, women will continue to create the same unwanted financial circumstances. If you truly want to change your relationship and results with money, you must face what you really think and feel about money and transform it. Ready to change your mind about money? Visit reinventinghermoney.com to schedule a chat with Teresa. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Lieutenant and my lovely guest, Raina Nysis, who is the founder of a life coaching business called A Season of Caring and the author, author of a great book called No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season. Okay, so Raina, we were just getting started here and you started to explain um, how you started caring for your dad. And it was kind of an evolution of events, right? You you had to sort of figure it out as you went along. But give us a little broader description, if you can, about how a person would know when the caregiving season is going to begin or possibly going to begin. 
You know, I think it can happen one of two ways it can happen kind of like it did in my life where it was a slow progression that you have a diagnosis, you know, that some things are going to change and you're seeing those changes, but when do I step in? When do they really need some more help? How do I offer that help? Those are some tricky things, but then also some people have that moment in which there's an accident or there's a stroke and it changes everything. So I think really it's a matter of just paying close attention because the creeping kind can be pretty tricky. I found that many times when it creeps in, people have a tendency to take it all on themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm just helping out. I'm just, you know, he's having a hard time keeping up with the grass. I'll, I'll, I'll mow the grass, you know, just starting to step in and offer support, which we want to do. Mm-hmm. But when it's a creeping process, then we often find ourselves overloaded and completely maxed out, especially as we're in a time of life where we're professionals and we're raising children and and doing all the other things that are important. We have a very full life ourselves. And so adding those additional things can be kind of simple initially, but it becomes extremely overwhelming if we aren't careful. Right. And I think you have to really pay attention. (laughs) You know, like in my situation with my folks, both of them were extremely independent. Sounds like your dad was too. And, you know, there's this resistance. Don't take my independence away. Uh, Don't, don't tell me I can't drive anymore. So, you know, we have to be walk a little fine line, don't we? It's like a tightrope of offering care and then letting them you know, have their own life the way they want it. It is so important. And I think one of the things that we did well as a family, as we reached those points where we needed to take away some of the independence, we didn't take away everything. Mm -hmm. So just because your parent reaches a point where it's not safe for them to drive, doesn't mean they should stay home. Right. Right, right. Unfortunately, when we just take the keys away, that means that we abandon them at home. And so they lose all their social, they lose everything that they love. And so making sure that just stepping in and taking, addressing the needs and making sure that you're offering opportunities for them to continue to engage in life and do what they love, I think can make all the difference in helping them as they age. Well, and staying involved. I mean, many uh, families, the children don't live near, you know, the parents for many years. And so you lose track of what the parents are doing, what's important to them. So I think that's some other little clue that we can all learn is stay, stay involved in your parents' lives so that you can help them um, gradually change when the time comes. Okay, so let's change the discussion a little bit towards the typical emotions that someone can expect to feel while they're caring for a loved one. You know, emotions are tricky, aren't they? So Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing that we start to feel is just that this isn't supposed to be this way. (laughs) You know, our parents have always been our whole lives, right? They've been the provider, the protector. And even if we didn't have the best relationship in the world, we've seen that they've been the adults that we've seen our whole life and they've been able to take care of things. And um, it's just really hard to watch that. And so sometimes I think we start to resent their their lack of independence now, because that's a change. So resentment can kind of come in, guilt can come in. And then definitely the one that most people don't identify, but is actually the root emotion to most of it is grief. Yeah. And that, you know, that grief, the little steps, the little pieces, Um, you know, I remember, as I mentioned, my dad and I owned a Sylvan Learning Center together and I did all the hands-on things, but my dad was an accountant. And so we had our meetings and I would bring things to him and just share, this is what I'm considering. These are the prices of things that I've, you know, looked at and just my research. And he would help guide me and help me make those decisions. Our annual meetings, you know, just laying out the the budget and how we had performed. And eventually I started to notice he couldn't answer the questions. He started to deflect or he would start to repeat some of the information I had just told him. And Mm -hmm. I realized, "Mm, okay, he's not tracking all this. Mm -hmm. So I need to continue to honor him by in court, you know, keeping him involved, Mm -hmm. but I need to stop putting him on the spot and making him feel like he should be able to do what he had always done before. That was a grief for me. I lost that confidant. I lost that person that I could just pick up the phone and lay out the problem and get the advice that I had always had. And so, but realizing that it's grief and it's normal and it is sad 
helps us to process that and then move into the next moment that we can enjoy together. So being able to continue to share the successes and to share how we're impacting people's lives, celebrating those things together were things we could still do. So I didn't kick him out of the business. I didn't Mm -hmm. take him out of the picture. I changed what I expected of him. Yeah, I love what you're saying about how you kept sharing the things that you two had in common, the things that you could connect with together. And um, just my own experience with my father is he he was declining from bladder cancer. Um, I got him on videotape telling the stories of his life. And so he felt he could feel like he was winding down and he could appreciate this great, amazing life that he had because he was telling me all the stories. And I think that's one way that um, those of us can stay close to our parents is to, is to listen to their stories. For sure. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my parents didn't share a lot whenever Uh I was younger. And so definitely taking the time and asking the questions and then just listening, you can learn so much. And it's amazing. There's rich history that helps you become who you are because it formed them. And that's so important to know and cherish. It's so, it so is, it's, it's really the meaning and richness of life. And especially, I know it's hard to talk about sometimes, but even if you just bring up a little something, the conversation can go uh, and develop into really a beautiful moment together. So, you know, we've touched on some of the emotions that caregivers can feel, which uh, you said there's resentment, of course, sometimes, and there's guilt over not having enough time with them and, and grieving the fact that they are losing their independence and their ability to be your parent, you know, for you to go there and talk to them. So how do people navigate these emotions? What do you recommend for your clients as they're, you know, on this emotional up and down roller coaster? I think one of the most important things for caregivers is they oftentimes just immerse themselves in everything and they're so busy mm-hmm. that they don't take time and t- Time is the only place in which we can reflect and get a handle on our emotions. And so really scheduling time for yourself to think about how the day went or the week went, whatever it looks like for you is really important. For me, I had that 220 mile drive. So it was almost four hours in the car every week when I left dad that I could ask myself those questions. What went well? What didn't go well? What do I need to do differently? Is there something I can do? Can I control it? Or is it something that's out of my control? Just really debriefing and really thinking through what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? And then again, can I do something about that? Did I put him on the spot and that made him be unkind? Or was I being snippy and he was snippy back? You know, just really evaluating and just you can't you can't reflect without time. So I think one of the most important things is finding a way to carve out time to regularly ask yourself those questions. And of course, you would say, give yourself time to rest, to um, have self-care, to do certain things, different things, you know, include a life on your own, right? So important. I, I think you have to ask yourself the questions to figure out what's not working. And I remember one time I was, dad was just in a season where he was up probably three or four times a night. And I was there three nights in a row and I was just exhausted by the end. And so I really, I realized at that point, okay, I need to do something different because I need sleep. So those self care steps have to happen. And again, as a caregiver, most people push back. I I pushed back thinking, oh, I don't even know what they're talking about, you know, but it really is just realizing that you have to be in tune with your own body and you have to drink what you, you know, drink the water that you need, eat healthy, get the rest. It's the basics. If you don't have your best, if you're not at your best, you can't give them your best and caregiving is stressful and they need your best. So it really is a matter of just evaluating that and seeing, you know, how well you're taking care of yourself. Yes, giving your best requires that you take care of yourself, which we talk a lot about on this show, because, you know, if you don't fill your body full of great food and rest it and love it, you have to love yourself and love your body. Okay, so how would you work with a person who might resent having to take care of a loved one? I mean, you had to drive, what'd you say, 220 miles, and you did it every week? Um, you know, that could cause resentment. And like you said, that's one of the emotions that a lot of people 
work with so or feel. So how do you work with someone like that? I think you first have to identify, is that the root emotion, you know, because again, sometimes it can be guilt and that you're resenting because you are feeling guilty. So you have to really kind of unweave some of those things and ask the questions to understand where's that coming from. And honestly, one of the worst things we can do is should on ourselves, S-H-O-U-L-D. <laughs> you know, I should be able to do all of this. I should be able to work my job, take care of my home and raise my kids and help my parents. I should, right? But that's not realistic. And understanding that those shoulds are oftentimes leading to the resentment because we feel like we have to. So stepping back and saying, what is it that only I can do? And what is it that I want to do? For example, I, you know, with my experience with my mom, I bathed her, I fed her, <clears throat> I took her to the restroom for years. And that seemed to be a natural thing. But when my dad was diagnosed, that was one of my biggest concerns. We were a very private family, very modest family. And I could not imagine doing those same things for my dad that I did for my mom. Mm -hmm. And I told my sister when we were setting up the schedule, I really want caregivers in the morning to come wake him up and bathe him and let him shave and do his normal routine. I really don't be, want to be the one to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think if I had had to do that every day that I was there, eventually I would have struggled with that. It would have been something that was just uncomfortable for him and for me. Now, did I do it in emergencies? Sure, I did. I, I stepped in and took care of his need when he had a need. But I set myself up initially to know that I didn't have to. And so I think that resentment is a big piece of what is it that you feel like you have to do and then is there a way to understand that you, do you really want to, or can you just provide the support that they need without it being you? Again, you're not the only answer. There are lots of answers out there. So that's how we look through it and say, what is it that you're resenting and really see if there's a way that we can get that off of your plate and give it to someone else that won't feel that way about it. Such an open answer is like, wow, I don't have to deal with this problem that I have. I can actually seek an answer. And, um, you know, some people might feel trapped in this situation. And, you know, I would underscore what you said is that really we can do a lot more than we think we can do. And, you know, I had to help when I was the person who came to give the regular caregiver a break with my father, I had to take him to the restroom. And of course, the first time I was just horrified. And then I you do it a couple of times and it becomes part of your comfort zone. So that's what I tell people is, you know, you feel nervous, but you can, you can learn how to do a lot of things and the specialness of serving your parents is just so amazing. So, um, let me ask you this. Um, how do you ask for help? Because help is something that we really need to get. I mean, this here, you're just saying, let's say that you decide that you really don't want to do this one particular thing and it's really stressing you out. You need some help. How does people get help? Take off the Superman cape and admit that you can't do it all. Right. You know, I think as women, we just we just think it's back there. We can just do it all, all the time. And we can't, it's just not true. So take the cape off and be honest about your needs and start asking. And, you know, it can be a comfortable ask. It can be brainstorm with your sibling, brainstorm with your best friend. What are some solutions I'm not seeing? When we're in the thick of the weeds, we don't see all the options. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I would say is find those who have been there before you. It's so important. Other people have been here. Other people have tried things and have found things that work for them. Ask. And again, a support group, I always encourage people to find the support that they need. Support groups are a great place to do that because everybody's in a different place in their journey. And you will find a lot of wisdom and a lot of compassion from people who under, really understand where you are. Ask for help, take off the Superman cape, Superwoman cape, because isn't it true that uh, it does usually fall on um, the women in the family to take care because we are the caregivers, we're the nurturers. It's just one of the things that we're good at. Doesn't mean that the men and the sons in the family can't be equally as helpful, uh, but it is true, it usually falls to the woman. So I wanna ask one more question before we have to take another break. That's the thing about radio shows, they just go so fast. <laughs> I would like you to um, give us some uh, experiences of joy that you had during your caregiving season with your dad? 
One of the things that I just love, it brings a smile to my face every time I think about it. My dad was again, physically fit and loved to be outside and be engaged and do things. And as we age, our body doesn't um, handle heat the same way. Mm -hmm. So in the summer in Kansas city, Missouri, it's humid and hot and he was having trouble. He wanted to be outside doing things and he was having trouble just monitoring that heat and handling the heat. And so I was thinking, what can we do inside? And I went to Walmart and I was just looking at all these games and looking to find things that we could actually do that were keep us physically moving, but inside. And I found a ping pong net that it goes on your kitchen table. Ah. Well, immediately I remembered when I was a kid that we used to play ping pong and I thought I'm going to spend 25 bucks. So I'm going to see how this goes. And the next weekend I pulled it out and said, dad, you want to play some ping pong? And he's like, sure. And I thought, oh, that wasn't a very exciting response, but we got to start it playing and we played for three hours the first day. And he had such a great time laughing and laughing at me missing. And just, we had so much fun that my husband and I found a ping pong table on Craigslist and moved it into the formal family room, moved the couch back. And we had that ping pong table for almost three years. He played ping pong a month before he passed away. It was something he so enjoyed it. And he was so ornery when we played, it brought back great memories. And I have a wonderful memories with it. One time he had three ping pong balls in his hand and he served them all at me at the same time. I mean, we just had so much fun and other caregivers were able to play with him and it really kept him engaged and just having a great time in life, no matter what else he couldn't do he could do that. And so we had fun doing those things. What a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that. Remember to have fun regardless of the situation yes. with the person. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, Raina and I are going to talk about the different financial considerations that families face during the season of caring. We'll see you back in just a minute. Are you in a season of caring for an aging parent and feeling completely maxed out? Raina Nysis, founder of A Season of Caring, helps daughters like you who are caring for an aging parent find the balance between caring for your loved one and yourself without guilt. Visit noregrets-book.com to purchase your copy of Raina's new book, No Regrets, Hope for Your Caring Season, from your favorite retailer. That's noregrets-book.com. I believe that every woman is born to live her own personal dreams of a wealthy life. And I call the process of getting the dream out of your mind and into your reality, reinvention. I'm inviting you, the everyday woman, to make a decision to pursue your dreams. That's what I did. I uncovered the dreams that I was born to pursue and learned how to create those dreams with commitment and passion. I'll help you get your money in shape for your dream quest, join my mailing list at reinventinghermoney.com. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Wealthy Life for Her with my guest, Raina Nysis, who's the author of the book, No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season. Okay, so I mentioned my some of my experiences with my parents passing and how my mother ended up uh, wanting to go to an assisted living facility where she ultimately decli- declined over a few years. And, you know, we had a great time um, supporting the care facility in the care of her. And then my father, who had actually remarried, his wife took care of him at home. So there's so many options for parents and children to consider, isn't there? So how do you engage with people who are, you know, before the caregiving season to to figure out what's best? I think it's so important to, again, look at each individual situation. You just named two different specific situations. One, your mom's need she wanted that that's she looked for the people she enjoyed the environment it was a really good fit for her my mom 
was only 53 when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but she was more of a homebody. That was just her personality. And of course, my dad was there to care for her. And so she was able to stay at home the full time. That was a perfect fit for her. For my dad, he wanted to be at home and that, that was really important. But like I said, he was active. He loved people. He needed to get out and do things. So, you know, I think you have to examine the person honor the essence of who they are and help them find the best fit for them. A lot of facilities have amazing activities and it's a great place to plug in if that's who you are and you want that. But if you resent being there, it's not going to be pretty. (laughs) So, you know, really finding a good fit and exploring all your options. There are a lot of people don't realize, but there's day stay options as well, Mm -hmm. where you can go to facilities just for the day. And that was something we did with my dad as well to give him that social opportunity. And so really looking at and examining all the options is the most important thing, I think. Well, yeah, that's what I was saying is that you have to get educated, don't you? You have to take the time to really look around your own community and to re- and to get, ask people who've been there like you have and other folks what their experience is. And then you begin to see a pathway. You know, at first it seems like there's no vision of what's possible, but then slowly but surely it, you know, it becomes into view. So tell us one of the most common responses that you see from people that you may become your client when they first learn that their parents need to be cared for? I think they're just completely overwhelmed They're because of exactly what you said. It just feels it's this place we've never been before. And we already have this full plate and I just don't even know what to do from here. Mm -hmm. And so just taking one thing at a time, what does your mom think? What do your siblings think? You know, getting all the information and just taking the emotion out of the information and start to see what does that plan look like? You know, when I was started my caring season, I was teaching still half days. We had a high schooler at home. There were so many things that were already on my plate, but being able to stop and look at those and say, okay, this is important right now and letting it go just for a season can really make a difference. So I think walking them through that process of evaluating what's working, what's not working, and really seeing where they can find room and space to invest in their parents' final years can make them find a way to just exhale and take the next step that they need to take. Well, and there can be conflict in families between what the parents want, what the what the one uh, child wants for their parents and the other one and so on. And so is there a particular um, helpful tool that you can uh, provide for your clients when there's disagreement? Because you can't really move forward if somebody puts their you know, feet in front of them and says, I'm not moving. I want it to be this way, which can happen very easily. It really can. And I think it all comes back to relationship. And when I say, you know, I have an older sister and she and I did this together, not because we agreed a hundred percent of the time, <laughs> we really didn't, but because we valued the relationship And we learned, we kind of had a mantra, what's best for dad, what keeps him happy and healthy. That's good. And so what keeps him happy and healthy is what dictated what we did. And the same thing I learned to turn that to myself, I need to be happy and healthy. And when I'm making a decision, does this make me happy? Does this make me healthy? How does this impact these two things, both for my dad's care and for myself? That's what helps me guide my way through that. And really what made me happiest was having a relationship with my sister. And so many times at the end, you bury your parents and people walk away and never speak again. And that is so sad. So it really is keeping the priority in mind that this is a relation. These relationships are going to be here beyond your parents. Mm -hmm. So how can you find common ground? How can you find a way to compromise and work together? That's excellent advice. Okay. So what is the one thing that you would offer to others as advice in the beginning of caring for a loved one? Be intentional. Don't jump in without thinking. Again, your plate is already full. Adding those little things seem like no big deal, but they are. They're going to add up and they're going to max you out. You need to be intentional and be planning ahead so that you know where you're going so that you will make it all the way to the end. Burnout is real and you don't think it will happen to you, but it will happen if you aren't intentional. Okay. So 
be intentional and plan ahead. Okay. So what about, um, I mean, we don't really know how long the caring journey will take the caring season, but in the middle of it, what, what's the one thing you advise for the middle of it? Reflect often. How is it going? How are you? How are your relationships? Are you sacrificing your marriage? Are you sacrificing relationships for your children? You know, really reflect and make sure, again, that you're intentional with those relationships. I found when I was crabby, it was because I wasn't having enough fun. And I would have to get a hold of those friends that are my fun friends. And I'd be like, let's get on the calendar. I have dinner this day. Can you do that? Because I needed to have some fun too. Outside of caregiving, I needed to find those things that fueled me and brought me joy. So find those crafty activities. I love to sew. Well, I couldn't drag my sewing machine both places. So I took up painting and I took some art classes online. I did some things like that to fuel the joy for myself, even in the middle of it. So I think often in the middle is when the fatigue starts to set in and you start to realize, okay, the crisis is over. And now this is every day. It's always going to be like this. So what do you need to do to keep moving forward? And how about the end of the caregiving journey? Grace, grace, grace. It is hard. We're never ready for it. You have to give yourself grace. The emotion that you will experience is going to surprise you. And like you said, you're never ready for the ends, even when the end is here. Um, oftentimes I know for us, it was a surprise and, you know, a 14 year journey with Alzheimer's shouldn't be a surprise when you reach the end, but it was a surprise. We, he was doing well. And then suddenly his body just couldn't heal. And so it's something that you really have to, again, put your brakes on life, focus on what's most important. I spent probably the last six weeks of his life there with him. And so, um, coming home just once or twice in that whole period of time. But I will never regret that being able to be there with him, with my sister and just walking that journey. And so I say the end is the end and it's worth the sacrifice. And then once it's over, give yourself grace in grieving as well, because Mm -hmm. especially being a person who's lost both parents, I found it very untethering. It, it just almost my grounding disappeared because the two people who brought me into this life weren't here anymore. And so I think that the brain fog that you feel, I call it grief brain, you know, it really is harder than we expect it to be. And depending on, you know, what you've been through, I think sometimes can impact that your relationship can impact that, but don't be surprised when the grief is heavier than you thought it would be. Right. Oh, excellent advice. Okay. So speaking of no regrets, uh, give us just a little bit of information about your, your book, which is coming out in June, I think it is. And then we'll have to wrap wrap it up. So go ahead. Tell us about your book time already. Okay. Yeah. Actually, we just um, released the Kindle version today. So Ah. you can grab Kindle version of that as well. So No Regrets is a combination of the first 10 chapters are about things that I learned in caring for my dad, medication management, doctors, relationship, how to keep the family intact, how to make those tough decisions, what it looks like to honor your parents as they age, Um, full of personal stories. So just sharing those stories with you of what we found and how it worked for us. And then just having you maybe look at some options that you hadn't thought about, or just start to ask some questions that you haven't thought about. And the second half is self-care. And I say that word every time and I'm like, oh, it's just hard, but really it's so important in order to look back without regret. You have to make sure that you've taken care of yourself because once you bury them, you still have a life. And if you haven't taken care of your life, you won't have a life to go back to. You'll have a broken marriage. You'll have lost friends. You might have compromised a career. Um, you know, you have Not to, to mention your own health. Yes, definitely. There are consequences to that if you're neglecting your health. So um, the second half is how to do that, how I did that and things that I feel like are really important in helping people to think through being intentional in that season. It's not easy to do and it doesn't just happen. You have to do it. You have to be intentional about it. So what an amazing, excuse me, an amazing resource that you've put together for everyone. And I, I encourage our listeners to go to the website. So tell us again, the website that you go to, to find out which retailers have the book, right? 
Yes. And no regrets dash book.com. And I do have some pre-order specials still available because the book, the, um, paperback book doesn't come out until June. So you can actually pre-order now and get a free copy signed copy sent to you from me, the first hundred people. So I still have some of those available. If you would like to get your hands on one before it hits the bookstores, um, and then have yours sent to you from the retailer one in June. So that's awesome. again, that's no regrets dash book.com. Yeah. No regrets dash book.com. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. One last word for our listeners based, um, based on our conversation. What's your last word for folks? It's a hard journey. It really is. There is no right way to do it. There is no wrong way to do it. Just do it together and do it with love, both mm -hmm. for your parent and for yourself. And you will be able to bury them with no regrets. Beautiful. I'm so grateful for this time that we had and hopefully you'll come back and we can talk about the Alzheimer's journey per se, which is a whole nother topic, but I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and all your experience with us. So thanks for being here, Raina. Okay. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you. And we are in for a treat next week when our guest will be Lowry Olufsen, founder of powersongs.com affirmations on steroids. We will be singing my power song together and share the power of affirming our vision, our goals when we sing. So thank you for listening, everyone, and being a part of our wealthy life for her mission. I'm the most grateful person because I get to host a radio show where I inspire women to live a wealthy life by interviewing women who are doing just that. So don't miss out on all of our incredibly talented and brilliant guests. You can listen live every week on 1150kknw.com and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks to Alexis Lieutenant Gregory, who's the composer of our theme music, Eric, my producer, my team at Cornerstone Financial Strategies, and everyone at KKNW 1150 AM. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube under Teresa, T-R-E-S-A, Lieutenant. And you can learn more about working with me at AmeriprizeAdvisors.com forward slash Teresa.Lieutenant. But most importantly, ladies, remember that you deserve a wealthy life and to attain financial independence, which is your birthright. When you align your values and your goals and you get your financial house in order, you can build and gain financial confidence and overcome any challenge so you can create a wealthy life on your terms. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. Teresa Leftenant is financial advisor and senior vice president with Cornerstone Financial Strategies, a financial advisory practice with Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. She is a certified financial planner professional and wealth advisor for professional women who aspire to a wealthy and financially independent life. Learn more at AmeriprizeAdvisors.com slash Teresa.Leftenant. AmeriprizeAdvisors.com forward slash Teresa dot Lieutenant. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. 